Welcome to Thousand Generations Podcast, hosted by Dan and Chad Bohai, a father and son duo committed to pursuing God's dream and desire of faithfulness to Jesus and living to see the gospel of his kingdom pass from one generation to the next, to a thousand generations. Thank you for joining us on our journey as we hope to encourage you on yours. Welcome back to Thousand Generations. We are in the final episode of season four where we've been talking about multiple dynamics of what the Bible means when it talks about hope, a sanctified imagination, believing and living in a world furnished by the word, by the promises of God. Dad, in this episode, we're going to talk about the danger of losing hope. We're going to talk about Bible characters like Elijah, Lot, Paul, and Stephen, and how important it is that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, not just when we begin faith's pilgrimage, but that we're locked into him all the way until the end of our story, which we already talked about from 1 Corinthians. Uh, We don't just have hope for this life. Our hope actually has no shelf life. It's an eternal hope because our hope is in Jesus, our living hope and our eternal inheritance in him. So, Dad, just walk us through some of the disastrous results about those who lose hope along the way of faith's pilgrimage. Well, we know that from the story of Elijah, after his long string of success, you know, raising the dead, commanding flour and oil not to run out, uh, calling down fire, calling back the rain, and then getting a note from a lady, after Mm. killing over 800 prophets, he goes into fear which produced negative imagination. Yes. Because now he saw himself as dead, no better than his fathers or ancestors. Yes. Now, here's a thing I want to point out. That whole nation cried out when the fire of God consumed his sacrifice, the Lord is God. Right. The Lord is God. We have a nation at the precipice of revival and the preachers running in fear because he lost hope. Wow. The preacher that ushered in a national revival. Yeah. Certainly a national confession. The Lord is God. Last one word, Mm. chase him into hopeless fear. Wow. And he missed out on preaching the revival that God set up for him. That's the danger of losing hope. And then we, we, we see that when he got to that cave, and the Lord showed up and asked him twice, what are you doing? He kept saying, I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. And I want to report to you, ladies and gentlemen, anytime you think you're the only one that God can use, you're in hope deferred. Yeah. You, you're you not the only one. God always has an army. He always has a remnant. He always has a bunch of believers all over the planet. Mm-hmm. And anytime Satan has talked you into this isolation, I'm the only one mentality, that's the first clue that you're no longer in hope that believes. You're in hope deferred Yeah, because you're not the only one. And let me just say this, because I I, uh, I have one of your old Bibles, by the way. Sorry, <clears throat> you left them at my house years ago. But listen, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, here's why this is so powerful. So first of all, I've never considered that, that Elijah was on the precipice of probably seeing national revival. If all of the prophets of the false prophets, They're Baal dead. and Asherah are dead, if rain is coming which that kind of would make you popular and maybe prepare hearts to respond to the Yahweh. He was gone. Elijah. 
So here's here's the thing. Paul says this, and this, I read it in your old NIV Bible from 2007. I've been using my, for my devotions in the morning. He says, pray because a great door for effective work has opened to me, opportunity, but there's also many who oppose me. And here's what we want to say. Not We're not doomsdayers. We're not saying, you know, if God gives you hope and he's about to move, watch out. There's, you know, but I love that Paul was level-headed enough, unlike Elijah. That's why this verse triggered me, is that he saw a great, a great door and a great opportunity, but he wasn't blind to the fact that there's great opposition. Just because there's great opportunity and a great open door doesn't mean it's the easy path. Obviously, Elijah uh, went into the cave like you talked about. But there is a way to do, to, to do both, to see the open door, to see the opportunity that Elijah had, and to know and to prepare yourself that there's going to be opposition, but I don't have to lose heart and lose hope. So for whatever it's worth, that I came into my mind. Here's an, not only did he miss the opportunity to preach the national revival, but when God told him three things to do in the cave, because he wasn't in hope that believed, mm. he only did one out of the three. Mm. He did not anoint a king, and he did not anoint Jehu. Therefore, there were there were huh. deaths that happened that people later on, Elisha anointed them, which was his predecessor. The only one out of the three things that he did was anoint Elisha. And so when you're not huh. in hope you usually pick and choose what part of God's word you want to believe. He only did one out of three things, and it cost a lot of repercussions for the next couple generations because of his hope-deferred status hiding in the cave. So when you're not in hope, you pick and choose. What part of the word you want you to obey. You want to believe and you want to obey. That's right. Which is obviously a recipe for disaster. And it is, Chad. And it's like you said, it won't, okay, Maybe like Hezekiah, maybe it won't cost you your generation, but it's going to, whatever battles you're not willing to face in the grace of God, it's going to be passed to your kids and your kids' kids. It is. So be thorough in your obedience, in other words. And when people don't have hope, they don't believe in the supernatural things of God mm. because the reason why you're not in hope is because you're leaning on your own abilities and your own understanding. Man. Therefore, your results are not supernatural, and that's why we lose generations mm. because people don't buy into all the word because you pick and choose when you're in hope deferred. Mm. Another lesson I learned from the life of Elijah is you're most vulnerable after your greatest victory. You're yes. always the most vulnerable after your greatest victory. Now, I want you to see something in 1 Kings 19.4 where he didn't want to live. He saw himself as dead, but he wanted God to kill him. Now, this to me is kind of a wow. It's kind of a Christian way of knowing suicide's a sin, so God, can you kill me? Well, you need to know hmm. that you're in hope deferred when you're asking the God who gives life to take it. Hmm. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. But when you're in hope deferred, mm. you ask God to do things that aren't even in his nature to do. Mm. And so Elijah teaches us a lot about this stuff. Mm. I want you guys to understand mm. that he stopped the rain. He had ra ravens feeding. He commanded oil and flour to not run out. He was the first person mm. to raise the dead. He killed 800 prophets. He called fire down. He saw God do all of this. And one word... He allowed to take him out of hope. Yes. And he missed revival. He didn't obey God. He ran in fear. He became suicidal. And he started measuring himself off of humans instead of seeing himself as a partner with God. Mm. And it all started with one word, 
from another human being. Yes. So we got to be careful. Yes. To keep our eyes on Jesus and not allow ourselves to be built up or torn down by what people say, but to be built up and humbled by what God says. Yes. Amen. He needs to be the one we're doing it for. Amen. I want to uh, highlight Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us yeah. shall prosper. Go ahead and read the rest yeah, of the verse. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So if Elijah would have followed this truth, the word that Jezebel tried to plant in the soil of his heart, mm. he could have uprooted that and said, no, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and fulfill the purposes of God for my life because the heritage of those who are born into the kingdom of God, we have the right and obligation to tear every word spoken that's taken root in our soul and uproot it and replace it with only what the word of God says. Yes. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm. And I don't care who says it. I want to, I want to read a verse here in Second Peter 2.8. Well, let me let me say this just really quick because I like this. On my note, I made a note. Uh, it doesn't tell me the date I made it, but in Isaiah, the whole every time the word servant is used, it's in the singular. Until after Isaiah fifty three, when the work of the servant, the redemptive suffering, salvific work of the servant, whenever servant is used after Isaiah fifty three, it's plural. So we get to share in the spoils and the victory and the salvation, the inheritance, inheritance that the servant, which is the Messiah, the suffering servant. I didn't, I just read my note. I wrote, I must've got obviously from a commentary up to this point, it's always been singular, but now it's plural. The saving work of the servant creates servants and whatever their blessing, their, their, their chief realities, they get to share in this title with the servant as his servant. So I thought that was really cool that, that Jesus, if there's ever was the role model of showing hope all the way to the end, even into the hands of his father, he's entrusting his spirit. I mean, what kind of hope is that? That living demonstration that my father is going to vindicate my suffering, love, and my work. So I know I just took us to Jesus, but I just, I love that. This is the heritage of all the servants of the Lord, that no weapon formed against you will prevail, and you can refute every tongue that accuses you. I love that. Yeah, it's really powerful. I love that. You're saying, Peter, what would you say? Second Peter 2.8. Yes. Uh, for, that, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So this is speaking of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And his hope was continually undermined by the wickedness of the people around him yes. to where he ended up losing his focus and allowing bad vision to influence some of his choices. Yes. He didn't have to do that, but he allowed, just like Elijah allowed Jezebel's word, That's good. Lot allowed all the wickedness in the people around him to torment his soul, but hope doesn't allow your soul to be tormented because when you live in the realm of hope, you're living in the spirit, which is above all the things that can attack your soul. Mm -hmm. I can always tell when I'm operating in the soul instead of the spirit because I feel discouragement, mm -hmm. 
Mm. I feel weariness. Mm. I feel pushback. I feel fear sometimes. And when I'm in the spirit, I feel none of that. Mm. I don't have battles in the spirit. Mm. I only have battles in the soul. And that's what Lot shows us. Now I want to learn a few things from Paul's shipwreck, um, how hope was lost. So I want to read Acts 27.20. I love this whole narrative anyway. This is awesome. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. And so here we have a picture of 200 people, 200 plus people on a ship. 277. And now none of them think they're going to live because hope is how you stay in faith and faith is how you receive life. Mm -hmm. And so when all hope is gone, then death is always imminent. I'm no better than my father's. I wish I were dead. God, Mm -hmm. can you kill me? And so we have the same story here. Paul's on the ship, Mm -hmm. and they're all losing hope. Now I want you to read 21, and I want to make a comment. Verse 21. Yeah, it was 276. I'm sorry, verse 37. Okay, verse 21. Hey, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. Now, can I make a point here, Chatty? Sure. They had gone 14 days of kind of a forced fast because of fear. Sure. What I believe happened in Paul's life is that when he went 14 days without natural fuel, it forced him to rely on the Spirit. Yeah. And when he relied on the Spirit, he started remembering the words, to Caesar you will go, to Rome you will go, Nothing will be able to stop you from appearing before Caesar. And I think in the denying of the flesh, he remembered the words that were planted in the spirit and it brought hope back. And that's what caused nobody on the ship to perish because one guy got the word that was yes. spoken to him back after the denial of food for 14 days. Yes. And I think hopelessness was replaced with hope. And then the rest is history because a whole not only did everybody on the ship Right. Not lose their life, but everybody on the island was healed. Yes. So it's a good thing to go from hopelessness to hope. Yes. I want to read Acts 7, 55 and 56. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so I see here the first martyr in the New Testament. Um, All he's being accused of is doing signs and wonders of the kingdom, Mm. which means if you really want to step out and become Christ-like in word and deed, Mm. you're always going to face persecution. Yes. Now, it's usually going to come from the people that you think should get it the most. It's not going to come from strangers. It's going to come from people that have studied the law Mm. and should know that you're speaking the truth, Mm. especially after you give the greatest history of the children of Israel found in the entire Bible, and you didn't go to rabbi school, you're a table waiter that operates in signs and wonders. Yes. And so Stephen shows us that even when everyone around you that should believe the word that God's releasing through you is turning on you... It could be your closest family members, Chad. It could be your closest church members. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You can choose mm. to put your mind on God. You can choose to look into the heavenly realm. 
you can choose to see the vision of Christ that perfects your faith so that your response becomes exactly like the one you're gazing at. Mm. Father, mm. forgive them. Right. They don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because when you're operating in the vision of Christ, your faith is perfect, which means you're in the spirit and all it produces is love and love can never be offended. Mm. And so now we have a picture of a man who's going out as a martyr and he, the more they hit him with rocks, the more he looks like an angel. And the more he looks like an angel, the more it gets Jesus off of his seat where he leans over the railing with the great cloud of witnesses sure. and says, I found one that no matter yes. what happens, he's keeping his thoughts on me and my realm. Look at how he's changing the world. Yes. And Saul's there giving approval. Yes. And he sees the way a guy dies and he becomes the greatest apostle of all time. Yes. Because Stephen didn't lose hope. He stayed in hope. Mm. Now I want to end mm. on this one verse, Chad, that I think is the verse, the quintessential verse that shows us how to live Isaiah 26, three reality of perfect peace because we choose to think about God so that it lets us experience Psalm 1611 reality, fullness of joy, pleasures evermore. I think the verse that describes how to do that the best is Joshua 1, 8. Yes. And it says, be careful to not let this book of the law to depart from your mouth, but to meditate on it day and night and to be careful to do all that's written in it. And your way will be made prosperous mm -hmm. and everything you put your hands to will be successful. Now, Chad, I know that some people are going to get mad when I say this. If we really live Joshua 1, 8, Psalms 91 would be our reality. Hmm. No evil could touch us. Hmm. No harm would come near us. You say, well, what about Paul? He didn't get sick. Hmm. He got beaten by demonized people. Hmm. And it never took him out of faith. Hmm. You don't hear one prayer of him saying, Lord, why are you letting them hit me? Hmm. He never lost hope. He forgot everything behind where he relied hmm. on his education, his intellect, his charisma, his talent. He never leaned on himself after he encountered the risen Christ. All he could preach was because of Christ's resurrection, mm. I have nothing but hope. Mm. I have nothing but faith because I'm the righteousness of God now. Mm. And if Paul can show us what's possible to meditate on the word, to meditate on the word, to meditate on the word, to talk mm. yourself into faith, then if Paul could do that as he's writing the New Testament, what can we do? as we're benefiting for everything that God gave him as he was mm. writing it. I think mm. we need to live a life of prospering in all ways. Mm. Our influence, our peace, our humility, our intimacy, our anointing, our miracles, our love, our compassion. I think our lives should be so provoking that everybody around us is always asking, mm -hmm. tell us why you have the hope. Amen. Tell us why you have the hope. The greatest evangelism is for somebody to live a life that everybody's looking for. And I think that's the life of hope because hope is positive kingdom imagination that actually believes everything the word says can become our life right now in real time. Mm -hmm. Faith isn't real until it pulls the God of yesterday and forever into the present moment. Mm. And hope is what that faith is made of. Mm. And I hope, mm. I hope that these eight podcasts mm. 
that we've done in this season will leave people wanting to live a life immersed in the Word, in the Spirit, never leaving the ongoing communication with the living Christ so that we are transformed from glory to glory and we all corporately grow up to the stature, the measure, the man Christ Jesus as his body on the earth as it is in heaven. That's my hope Amen. as we end these eight podcasts. Yeah, I love it. This is a, a, a benediction, uh, really relevant. Hebrews 3, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Christ is faithful, verse 6, as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, Father, we just thank you. We share in the heavenly calling. We want our, our thoughts to be so fixed on Jesus as our apostle, God to man, and our high priest, man to God. He has perfectly fulfilled both vocations, revealing your image to us as God and revealing your intention for us as humans rightly related to you through your son. And Father, at the intersection of all of that is what Peter called the living hope. I thank you that we're his house, that it's the most natural thing in the house of which Christ is son over that we would be sons and daughters filled with the fruit of his hope and unshakable faith and his promises. Lord, I pray for just a, a, a confidence to arise, a firm grasp of our confidence and the hope in which we glory as the sons and daughters of God and the brothers and sisters of Jesus. So Lord, let hope arise, we pray, in your church, through your people, for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.